On today's episode of the TV Yearbook, we discuss No Fear Shirts, Tim Curry's other alter ego, and the original super spreader. So don't touch that dial. The TV Yearbook starts now. Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of the TV Yearbook, a podcast about the best and worst episodes of iconic television shows. I am your first host, Dom. And I am your second host, James. In each episode of the TV Yearbook, we pick a popular TV show from the past and use the internet to discover its best and its worst episodes. Then we'll discuss them through the lens of today. And just like your high school yearbook gave superlative awards, such as least likely to be covered in body hair and <laughs> most likely to be a furry, at the end of the show, we will share our superlative awards. Right, Greg? Sure. <laughs> uh, and I'm your third host, Greg. For anyone new to the show, in season one, we looked at 1980s crime-fighting television shows. In season two, we look at 1990s science fiction shows. And now here we are in the lovely season three, where we are reviewing shows in the TGIF ABC Friday Night lineup. Our show today was conceived by legendary puppeteer Jim Henson in the late 1980s. After the success of The Simpsons and the animatronic marvel that is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, yeah, yeah. our show was greenlit for the ABC Network. It ultimately ran for four seasons, winning multiple environmental media awards along the way. Our show today is Dinosaurs. Honey, I'm home. Before we get to the show today, we want to take a moment to let you know that if you like what you are hearing, you can support us at patreon.com slash the TV yearbook. Supporting us gets you early access to our episodes, lets you give input on future seasons, or a special shout-out in the show. Regardless, you can find us on the major social media sites, and we would love to hear from you. Word. Now, Dinosaurs. This was a show about anthropomorphic blue-collar family of dinosaurs set in the year 60 million and 3 B.C., the show focuses on the Sinclair family, Earl and Fran, the father and mother, Ethel, the mother-in-law, and their three children, Robbie, Charlene, and baby Sinclair. The show tackles baby. important family and societal issues of the day, but it is a comedy with animatronic puppets. So to fulfill that distinction, every episode, baby Sinclair hits Earl over the head with something and shouts his catchphrase, Not the mama! Or... It's basically just Roseanne, but with dinosaur puppets. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> uh, they're not playing poker at the end. The baby doesn't take all the chips. <laughs> and, and wherever you are listening to this, if we sound different, that is because we are bringing to you a special, it's not really a special episode, but a special setup. We are all three together in Greg's basement. In Dubai. Uh, recording this episode <laughs> for you. So we have become an international sensation. Probably. And uh, bringing it to you. Live from the UAE. <laughs> a special thanks to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia for allowing us safe passage. Cut that. That's incredible. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to edit this. Like, yeah. It's going to be rough. Anyway. Hey, Greg. Yeah. Do you want to give us the 90-second plot line for the best episode of Dinosaurs, which is season two, episode two, Family 
challenge. Sure thing. In this episode, Fran, the mom, is upset that everyone is just watching TV during dinner instead of talking like a family. Just then, a meteor strikes their house and destroys their TV. (laughs) So now everyone is forced to talk at dinner, but they all find one another very boring. So Earl leaves, heads to a bar to meet a buddy and watch TV. He sees an advertisement for the TV show Family Challenge with the grand prize of a big TV. Naturally, Earl decides on this family activity, and he starts preparing the family. But everyone is brain dead because of the TV. 30 days pass, and when they get on Family Challenge, hosted by a dino Richard Dawson, they now know a bunch of stuff. But Earl is horrified to discover that all of the categories on the show are television-related. They lose. But Earl learns a valuable lesson because over the last month, he has had tons of quality family time. Aww. But their parting gift was a small TV. So Fran is once again upset that everyone is watching the TV during dinner and nothing has changed. End of episode. Mm, boom. That's it. I think we all learned something from oh. that episode. It's the best episode, James. It is the best episode. So starting with the theme song, I don't know, what'd you guys think? Never heard of it. That didn't ring a bell at all? None. You didn't watch the show. Uh, I have few memories of sitting and watching the show. I was very aware of the show, as show. everyone was during yeah. during its run. But yeah, the theme song, I had never heard of it. Were you surprised? Because at the beginning, there's a dinosaur walking through the woods, knocking down a bunch of trees and stuff. Scary. And then, all of a sudden... Honey, I'm home! Rodney Dangerfield? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely had a Rodney Dangerfield vibe. Okay, just wanted oh. to make sure. But also, this theme song really reminded me of the Muppet Show theme song. It's not coming back for me. It's time to watch the dinos. It's time to watch him right. It's time to see the baby on the Muppet Show tonight. Dinosaur version. Okay. No? Yeah. No, I didn't catch that similarity. Do you know the Muppet Show, Dom? I do know the Muppet Show, and I, listening to your rendition... The words part sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the drum mouth part. It's not doing anything for you? Well, fine, but Nothing I don't know. worth mentioning. It, it harkened back to the Muppet theme song, which shouldn't be surprising, but also it was just not as good as the Muppet Show theme song, which is one of the great theme songs. But you know me. Every yeah. theme song is great. This one is average. You like Ooh. the theme songs. This theme song, though, is a little bit catchy. But it has the slapstick feel. Yeah. So you mentioned in the beginning, there's a meteor coming. Oh, yeah. And they have a, a, <laughs> a news break, and the newscaster comes in. And did you guys catch his name? Now, here is DNN news correspondent Howard Hand Up Me. Howard Hand Up Me. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the great things about this show is the it makes fun of itself, yep. which I like. Sure does. And it is a, it's self-aware. This is a hand puppet that you're viewing. With a hand <laughs> up me. Up me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we'll get into the details of the show a little bit. But that I thought when I saw that, I was already laughing. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So, so much of really kind of both these episodes, the TV plays such a prominent role within the show. They're watching TV all of the time, especially on this one. And... What did you guys think of all those television parodies? You had like America's Funniest Home Videos, but it was called 
Pangea's unfortunate accidents. Injuries. Yes. Yeah, Pangea's unfortunate injuries. Something like that. Which were incredibly violent. Like, people are dying. Dinosaurs are just falling into volcanoes. Yeah, a little child yeah. went for a football and fell into a volcano. And yeah. everybody is really <laughs> laughing at the reality of terrible dinosaur life. But no, the TV played just such a prominent role in this particular show. It sure did. The other parody is fa- it's basically Family Feud. Yeah. But I, I loved how this episode is trying to warn you about the perils of TV. You have the mom figure who is the only one that's concerned about everyone's brain turning to mush because of how much TV is being watched. You have uh, the dad, Earl, who goes to the bar after the TV is destroyed by the meteorite <laughs> just to watch TV, just to make sure he, he can stay connected to whatever the show is. And so it, get, it brings back that... I don't know if it's a myth or if it's reality. I'm curious what you guys think. Of course TV <laughs> makes you more stupid. Of course it does. And it's reflected in the scene when um, like they, their TV is broken and they're training for the game show. And they're, they're realizing how they stupid they are because they don't know anything. Because they've just lived their lives in front of this mindless machine. And I, I think that's the danger of television. We watch all of these things and we feel it gives you this feeling of I'm learning something because it's interactive. It's engaging. But yet, I mean, how many History Channel documentaries do you walk away just being like, oh, I remember I remember everything. Yeah. No, you don't. You maybe remember like one or two facts in an hour's worth of television. There's intrinsic knowledge benefits, Jimmy. Like? Well, just because you don't know every aspect of the Battle of Gallipoli from World War One doesn't mean that you haven't soaked it all in. That's and not therefore a real place. Your level of intelligence it might be. I don't gone up. Give Gallipoli. Us one, yeah. Give us one fact about the Battle of Gallipoli. Oh, yeah. it was it was fought on the Eastern Front during World War. Are we really doing this? <laughs> don't fight it, son. The more you struggle, the more painful it'll be. Prove that you know something. <laughs> the Ottomans, because of the television. <laughs> So it kind of reminds me of when you try to tell your parents that video games, oh, it's good for us because it improves my hand-eye coordination. Did you always ever give that excuse? Because I gave that excuse often. We should play Nintendo. No, I never gave that excuse. I just stayed in my basement and played video games. Nobody questioned your video game use. (laughs) In the 80s and 90s, it wasn't questioned. (laughs) Oh, see, well, my mom questions stuff all the time. So on this particular show, mom thinks TV is evil because it ruins your brain. Right. You all growing up, was that the case with your moms as well? Because it was in my house. No. Mom was the most anti-TV. Um, yeah, I mean, I think my mom was against it, but that was kind of as far as it went. There was never any like proactive, like, well, since TV's riding your brain, let's scale it back. We should do something. <laughs> it was just the constant PSA, uh, you're riding your brain. Whatever, mom. <laughs> you are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My mom called it the idiot box. Anybody? Oh, oh yeah, no? yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Like, okay, there we go. I've heard that. My mom was very permissive around TV. If it had Jim Henson's name on it, as this show did, it would Ooh. be like in the good zone. But mm-hmm. a show like Beavis and Butthead, uh, she was against me watching that. I had to sneak out to see the movie with my friends. I freaking loved that show. That was a that oh, was gosh. a big deal. I love Beavis and Butthead. Working yeah. at the fast food shop. That was a good episode. I mean, <laughs> mom I, hated that. <laughs> Okay, well, what? let me ask you this. How did you react to hearing the voice of Baby Sinclair? Strongly. Not your mama! <laughs> Ooh, wow. That's a strong opinion. You go first. Um, I didn't react. What am I supposed to be feeling? 
Greg? I was, I was beyond ecstatic that the baby in the show played such a minor role in both episodes. <laughs> I was ecstatic. Kind of like Family Matters that we talked about last week. You know how I feel about Urkel. He was very bothersome to me. I mean, I didn't want to throw him in prison like James did, but <laughs> but I was just not looking forward to just hearing yeah, baby hold, it, hold it against me that I want to hold sexual predators accountable. <laughs> okay, I'm not a sexual I can predator. Take that. He's not a sexual predator. You said it last week that you're walking back your comments. Well, that was last week. (laughs) Had a week to think about it. Okay, and you're back in. I'm dug back in, baby. Okay, here the the same voice actor for Baby Sinclair Mm -hmm. is Elmo. Is Elmo? You had no you had no Elmo reaction. Well, how did you feel when Tickle Me Elmo was everywhere two decades ago? Were you incredibly bothered by this voice as I was? Of course. Good. So yes. you were really bothered by Baby Sinclair as well. It's Good. I'm my, glad we agree. It's not my and... favorite voice, <laughs> but it is It is noteworthy, right, that this is a famous, very famous now. At the time, Tickle Me Elmo hadn't come out yet, time of the show. No, probably not, but right. Elmo had. Whatever. And then Baby Sinclair came along, and everybody at school was saying, "Not the mama all the time." Oh my god! Yeah. Now what? Okay, uh, riddle me this: Why doesn't Baby Sinclair look like either parent? We took a couple minutes to look at the genealogy—not the genealogy, but just the type of dinosaurs—and they're all different dinosaurs. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. From, I mean, I'll just go on the record: this show is not biologically accurate. Oh, Whoa! No. What? So I'm just on Bomb the record. Show. <laughs> 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 you got multiple species living you know the, together. Mass hysteria. You know it's not those dinosaurs' real voices. <laughs> <laughs> but other fun fact: What was the guy's name? Kevin Jim, Clash. Jim Henson. Is that the Elmo's voice? He was also the voice of Howard Hand Up Me. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, look at that diverse voice portfolio. Little. <laughs> a real DVP. For, for... One of my favorite parts uh, was when they finally get on the game show, Family Challenge, and the host comes out. And Greg, you mentioned this in your introduction. Mm-hmm. Just a complete ripoff of Richard Dawson from yeah. Family Feud. Name an animal with three letters in its name. You said Alligator. <laughs> Our survey said. Or is it a homage? Homage. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this is a ripoff. Well, it, it could be an homage. I mean, if if you know anything, just Google Richard Dawson Family Feud, and you will watch him just giving herpes to every female contestant on that show. He wasn't worried about contracting it at all. He was a super spreader. <laughs> Going on that <laughs> he family was the feud, original super spreader. Family Feud in the 1970s was a super spreader event. Every day. Because of Richard Dawson. Five because of Richard week. Dawson. Because he wanted to kiss every single woman. Anyway. But he did approach the grandma, and grandma's like, give me a big wet kiss. <laughs> Gross. And, and did, did he go in for one? I can't remember. No, he walked he away. Declined. He walked away. Hey, oh, let's talk to the Nielsen family. Uh-huh, the corrective yeah. behaviors. So they go on the show, the game show. They lose, but in the end, they get that little parting gift. And the ending. Yeah. I was surprised how much I enjoyed the ending. <laughs> what do you mean? The idea 
you know, it's a family show. They're talking about like a real societal issue of just like mm-hmm. families don't connect, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's still even an issue today, like busy schedules. Families aren't eating together. They're not doing things together because we have the internet and streaming. Like, yeah, you don't really have this one centralized location where all the family comes for entertainment. You can all go in your rooms, watch your phones, watch your computers. You can do all these kinds of things. So this lack of connectedness, the family in the show learns their lesson, but in the end, they get a TV. No one has learned anything. They're all back sitting at dinner, mindlessly watching television. Nothing has changed. And I was just struck at how not normal that was. Like, you think of Family Matters, you think of Boy Meets World, like all of these sitcoms, they end on a high note. Everyone has learned their lesson. Or they end on some kind of joke to laugh you out. This was the family sitting there, and it just fades to black with a laugh track. Yeah. I just thought that was just so profound. I agree. I think it was... It helped me understand why this is voted as the best episode. It really does give me a different perspective on this as a satire compared to, say, The Simpsons or, like you said, some of these other sitcoms where they laugh you out at the end or everyone's changed their behavior. And so, you know, this question of have you really learned it if you haven't applied it behaviorally and changed after something? But I think it that is what happens, though, which when you first spoke, James, you said it's you know it doesn't ever happen. It's exactly what happens, or it's it's. I guess it exaggerates what we do as humans. We learn something, you know. It's not good to drink too much. It's not good to smoke. It's not good to watch too much TV. But we keep doing it. You should exercise. Oh yeah, I know I should exercise. But pass I don't me do the it. donut. Right. So actually, I does <laughs> pass me two donuts. It does give us that kind of like oh hits home in a different way. But what life really comes down to isn't TV. It's the love between your family and... Boy, are you way off! Mm-hmm. I forgot to say, my reaction at the end was, this is not, I'm not laughing all of a sudden. There is some humor in there, but it's really a kind of a edgy like, I like challenge. I you said all of a sudden. Like all of a sudden. You assumed that you were laughing throughout the whole episode. Well, some <laughs> of us were laughing, some of us weren't. Oh, man. So the thing that strikes me is the dysfunction of the family, and that's how the episode ends. So I think when you watch The Simpsons, you'll see some dysfunction, uh, and then at the end, there's usually at least something there. Dinosaurs, for this one, there was nothing there, and the dysfunction remained. And by the time you get to Family Guy, at the end of the 1990s, it's all dysfunction. And so maybe that's a shift of the American family, at least in the cartoon or goofy sitcom world. So I think about the writers and the producers and how they write the characters. And then the message that they're giving to the audience. It's a subtle, and maybe not even subtle, but maybe even overt criticism of the very work that they're producing for the American public. Yeah. Because talking about, this is the thing that I wrote for you, and within, buried within, or maybe right at the surface, is the criticism of shows like this, the very one that you're watching. So it's really, really layered. I would say that's probably why they call it... Very meta. Yeah. Yeah. And the the psychoanalytic side might say that all of these writers and producers of Muppets and Sesame Street see that they had no effect on uh, behavior (laughs) for for when when these children became adults. (laughs) And now they are raging out at the American public for their lack of follow through after they know that they were sitting in front of the TV learning all these valuable life lessons from Sesame Street. Oh, I know. (laughs) 
It's disguised as mind-numbing boredom. Well, I think one of the reasons this is considered one of the best episodes, I really think it was just this prophetic glimpse into the future. I mean, at the time, it was television. Like, that was a big thing. In my household, television we wasn't really criticized for the amount of watching, but I know in a lot of other households, like, it was a thought, and it was a big deal to not eat together and all that kind of stuff. But you could really just replace all of that with, our phone. Mm -hmm. The whole lesson of this is still relevant today and maybe even more so, more common in, in households today. Maybe just on that, that's why it's considered one of the best episodes is just because the message it's getting across is so, oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? There I want to say transcendental, but I don't think that's a word. That sounds very... Transcends both time and space. Just transcendent. Uh, transcendent. Yeah, I think okay. it's transcendent, right? Yeah. It transcends, transcendent. like, transcends technological eras and also television eras. Above or eras. beyond the range of normal physical human experience. I think that's about right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you got it. <laughs> Thesis approved. That's, that's is there just more? my guess as to why it's considered the best episode. Yeah. I think it goes back to your point of it ended in a way that we don't usually see, in not only in a sitcom, but in TV. Yeah, generally. they're not even playing a game like together as a family. The TV's back, right. and they are once again uh, subservient to said television. Right. On this television show. Exactly. Thus the veiled criticism of the very work that they're producing. And maybe there's even another layer to it. Oh. Because the television that they are glued to, they originally had two TVs. So one was by the media, or the other, the mom threw it on oh, the yeah. ground to explode. Mm. So now what they're transfixed to is a TV of even lesser quality than what they had before. Yeah. The screens, it's sort of like the cell phones. Screens, screens are getting smaller. Screens are getting smaller. But our addiction and, is getting higher. Well, and that we didn't really talk about this, but they did have to go all out on financing this because of the puppeteering and the animatronics. Get and, ready. Dom is about to talk budget in this show. Yeah. So I, they, this show, apparently. <laughs> I have been waiting for this discussion. <laughs> this show was expensive, and they couldn't keep going Yeah, because of how much it costs to do. You basically have to have three different people. You have to have the puppet, mm -hmm. hand up me. You have to have the marionette. A tear. No, there's no marionette. There's no strings. <laughs> the voice. You have to have the voice. Yeah. Right. Well, which is like the main actor, and they're getting paid whatever they're getting paid. And then the robot with the remote control. Well, what, how are so they doing it? Each main character, you had almost you had usually like four different people involved with this. So you had the one actor who's just in the costume doing all the body movements, and then you had usually two people to. Um, use the face so like one person on the mouth one person on the eyes and then you typically had the voice actor because the actor who was voicing these characters was not the one in the like suit. remote control face yeah is that what you're yeah. talking about like yeah. for expressions and all that yeah like yeah. raising lowering the eyebrows using yeah. the mouth stuff like that because the the guy who so one little fun fact earl the main dinosaur the dad one of his mannerisms in throughout the show was that he sighed a lot he just opened his mouth a lot. And the reason for that is because the guy who was in the suit, there were no eye holes. So the only way that he could see was when the mouth was open. And so they made that <laughs> a part of his mannerisms just so that the guy inside could see where he was going <laughs> and what hilarious. he was doing. Wow. So funny. 
So yeah, at the at the time, I think Dom, back to your issue on budget, it, this cost a million dollars an episode, which was rare, which was for a hugely expensive for a show at that time. Yeah, it's so, almost like man, if they had strived to come under their budget. This show might have lasted longer. Could have survived. They needed to talk to the Babylon Five guys, <laughs> figure it out. Then the entire show would have been CGI. Maybe this dinosaur doesn't need a face. <laughs> Maybe a bag over the face would be okay. I'm a little confused about the nature of reality. Well, I think that exhausts our discussion on the best episode. So, but before we take a look at the worst, Greg, it sounds like, and it looks like. You are enjoying a new craft soda. Yes, I am. I have just poured it, actually. This. You want to keep that right by your computer? Nope. And you, <laughs> you live on the, on the edge. I do. Can't get this on the computer. This is handcrafted Barn Town Old Fashioned Root Beer. Barn Town. <laughs> is that an inside joke that I, I don't know no, about? It, just, it is now. My initial thought is it must taste like hay. Yeah. <laughs> or feces. <laughs> I think the correct term is manure. <laughs> this is from the Independent Craft Brewers Association. It is certified Barntown Brewing. Who's it certified by? By Barntown. The by <laughs> the Independent Craft Brewers Association. Oh. Yeah. And so I'm going to take a little taste right here, and I'll tell you more about the review when we get done. I suppose. Mm, tastes like a barn swallow. <laughs> is that a thing? I'm kidding. It doesn't. What's a barn no, you swallow? Gotta, what, you can, it's, a, a, it's a swallow that lives in a barn. Yeah. That's it. So let me swallow some more of this soda. Well, you can't enjoy that for too long because, Greg, you need to tell us 90-second plot line for the worst episode of Dinosaurs, which is also in Season 2, Episode 22, Slave to Fashion. Yeah, so let's get into this worst episode. This is the daughter Charlene's episode. Hey, do you know who voiced Charlene in this show? I do. Sally Struthers. Sally Struthers. The Thighmaster? No, that's, that's Suzanne, Suzanne Summers. Summers. What's the difference? Sally Struthers was the woman who would always come on TV commercials about poor children in Africa who needed your money and help. Oh. Every year, 10 million third world children don't live to see their third birthday. Those that do live beyond that ripe old age for this part of the world will grow up in dung heaps like this. Happy birthday. Oh, uh, that's not the memory I have. I have the memory of her talking about going back to school. Do you want to make more money? Sure, we all do. At one of those uh, day schools. Oh. You can major in business or accounting. That's what I remember. Bry? Yeah, one of those. That's a vague memory. ITT Tech, maybe? It's in there. Yeah, she was doing that, that whole list. Choose from any one of these courses. TV, VCR repair, bookkeeping. Accounting. Learning the personal computer, electrician. Drafting. Animal care specialist. Accounting. Gun repair, florist. Drafting. Catering and gourmet cooking. Drafting. Fitness and nutrition. Or, or get, get your, your degree. degree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> drafting. I didn't know what drafting was. She was the Sarah <laughs> McLaughlin of Poor Kids in Africa. Slash. Okay. Daytime college. <laughs> Daytime. Daytime mail-in degree. Adult learning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Sally Struthers is the daughter Charlene. And so this is the daughter Charlene's episode. So Charlene and her friend Mindy are upset because they are unpopular. And they want to be like the popular skinny Heather Worthington. But the Sinclair family isn't wealthy. And Earl says absolutely no when Charlene asks for a fancy new coat. But Grandma... 
wants to stick it to her son-in-law, Earl. <laughs> so she gives Charlene $500 of her college money to buy this new coat. It's a fur coat made from a fox. But this fox can talk. What does the fox say? Well, a bunch of... S- <laughs> A bunch of snobby, elitist stuff. In fact, this fur fox tells Charlene to drop Mindy as a friend and steal Earl's credit card. Ooh. So she goes to the mall in a fancy store. She runs into Heather Worthington, who holds on to her foxy coat while Charlene is trying things on. But the fox and Heather decide to remain together, so Charlene goes home empty-handed. Her mother and father ground her for stealing the credit card. They accept her apology, and then she calls Mindy to make amends. And that's the episode. That's it. That's right. Man. In the beginning, did you notice the baby was playing with a ball or whatever, Mm -hmm. and there's a shot of him crawling across the floor? (laughs) It was ridiculous. I thought that was hilarious. Why? But it it resolves something for me because it's a puppet. I don't know how they did it exactly. It was kind of like one of those robot dogs with the double C batteries that would, you know, kind of crawl awkwardly. You might see in a Japanese office. Exactly. <laughs> Kids crew. <laughs> but it resolved some childhood frustration because in Sesame Street, I always wanted to see the bottoms of the puppets. And I love that this show lets us see the feet, the legs. And the, the other things the going butt. on. The crawling across the floor. Seemed like he wanted to see the butt. I want to see the butt. <laughs> I just want to see the back. I just have something about what's down well, there on the bottom of the screen. Maybe got back. The tail kind of looked like a shark fin as it, it scooted along the ground. It did. I thought that was interesting. Interesting technique. Because that baby is a predator. It felt gremlins-y to me. Did you, did you get a little gremlins vibe? No. No? No. I'm still just amazed on how many boxes that scene checked for you. A lot of boxes. <laughs> <laughs> the complete package. We didn't expect it. <laughs> I, I'm it's still a, trying to process It's that. a great day for Dom <laughs> for unknown reasons. Oh, my God. They open up the fridge, and there's voices inside the fridge. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't remember this at all. Why? What's going on inside the fridge? Because dinosaurs eat live things yeah they're carnivores so it's just all like the little tiny animals that they're gonna eat oh so they're just hanging out there chilled why i remember there's so when they open the (laughs) fridge you can't really see inside it but it's just like the dry ice fog is coming out yeah and i i did catch a glimpse of some kind of bird wing yeah flapping in there right you think that's a guy back there just somebody's job to do that some that's someone's job so it's not actually a bird it's the reason why this show cost a million dollars had they talked to the babylon five people they wouldn't have had puppets we could add four more seasons (laughs) four more years four more years (laughs) holy crap i'm a little confused about the nature of reality well my favorite part of this episode for this show so far all of my favorite parts I haven't really liked, but they've just been my favorite. Because even if you hate everything, you gotta like something. Yeah. But no, I actually like this scene is when Charlene sees the coat commercial. Mm-hmm. And my favorite line from this commercial is, You don't need to feel better about yourself. You just need to feel superior to others. And there's only one thing that can do it. Status! Yeah, that was a great commercial. Wow. It was a amazing, amazing commercial. And so it, it got me thinking about all of the status symbols of today, right? All of these products that really are not that great and superior, but are a you know symbol of wealth, like Yeezys. What's a Yeezy? It's a it's like Kanye West shoe or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, he just you know has his shoe. 
Uh, do you know the Supreme stickers? The no. Supreme things? Oh, it's just like a label that they put on things, and oh, it says Supreme. So I know the Supreme Taco Bell. My mom didn't let us get Supreme because no, it not- was. Ten cents more or whatever. It was well. It was the fifty nine, seventy nine, ninety nine cent menu. Right. Fifty nine for a regular taco, seventy nine for a taco supreme. I always wanted the supreme. Beats headphones. Beats by Dre. Yeah, those headphones are like status. Forty dollar headphones. You can buy a pair of forty dollar headphones oh, that I are see. the exact same. They don't cost forty dollars. No, cost- they do not. Right, because of the brand. So I thought, wouldn't it be a fun little game for us Ooh. to play hot potato? But with status symbols from our youths. Youths. Okay. Youths. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hot potato. I'm in. Right? So you just name, think of those products okay. that, man, if you had just had that when you were in middle school, mm. you would have been in the group. Okay. Starter jacket. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you. Gosh. Adidas jacket <laughs> with toggles. Okay. Oh. Reebok. Pumps. That was my turn. Oh, sorry. Reebok pumps. <laughs> <laughs> now it's Tom's turn. Oh, boy. Come on. Some kind of makeup. No. Eh. Oh, That's lost. it? You're already out? I, I had Reebok pumps. In my Some kind <laughs> of makeup? Anyway, <laughs> maybe it's Dom. Wait. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> uh, Hypercolor shirts. Oh, bugle boy jeans. Is that a status? No, level? Levi's jeans. Calvin Klein jeans, you idiots. No. You don't remember Bugle Boy jeans? Yeah, that's not a status symbol. It was like, it? No. Fine. Uh, Calvin well, Klein. What were those jeans that always were given away on Double Dare? It's like Z Cavarici. S- slime jeans? jeans? No, not slime. <laughs> I'm going with Z Cavarici jeans. Someone out there knows what I'm talking about. I've heard of that kind, but there you go. yeah. Yeah. I don't remember pining after that specifically myself. I will anyway. say, I'll go. Gold chain. Oh, yeah. The gold yeah, chain. The thicker, always- the, the thicker, the better. Yeah. You want braided. Are big dog shirts popular? Does that count? Big dog shirts? If you can say that, I would say that big, was... big Johnson t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> How about no fear? No fear. Oh, gosh, that's yeah. a good one. Second um, place is the first loser. Mm-hmm. Um, slap bracelets. Yes. That's not a status symbol. No, it though. was when it first came out. Was it? Yes. Yeah. Maybe in the early yeah, late 80s, yeah. early 90s. Early 90s. Yeah. But then there was the rumor that if you take off the plastic coating, that you'll get tetanus. I didn't hear that I rumor. Didn't hear that rumor yeah, either. Oh, that didn't make its way through your, our school. Is that what your mom told you? So yes. You should have to is that what your mom? <laughs> a little bit later, this was probably late high school. Was the Kangol hat the backward the Kangol? Kangol? Ooh, bucket hats. The the Samuel Jackson hat that he wore backwards. Oh, that the beret. Yeah, but the Kangol. But the Kangol. It's got beret. a kang a kangaroo. Every, every time you say that, I think of Kankles. Kangol. I think of Kegels. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's stop playing this game. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not doing it right. Mm, Mel till a shirt. <laughs> Four people will get that joke. It's not even a one percenter there. <laughs> polo. Polo. Oh, that people yeah. like the polo shirts. I think for me, though, out of all the things that we mentioned, that Adidas jacket with toggles was probably the one thing that I wanted so very much. I finally got the starter jacket, blues, yeah. blues hockey jacket. Gosh, those, re- those really nice starter, really starter coats almost, right? Yeah. He yeah. already named those. No, well, we're just saying we're finally, just... now that we finish our conversation, we're just kind of saying what like was your number favorite, one. Number your number one. one. I don't know. I, I can't think. Any, I just. I think we learned a lot about our childhoods. And what was the line from the commercial again from the show? Um, 
You don't need to feel better about yourself. You just need to feel superior to others. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> it's such a good Yeah, it's good. There is a line in the commercial that was, you know, that status will help fill your mm-hmm. existential right. void or something. <laughs> it's like, oh man, it's just hitting a little too close to home. She is finally gonna get that coat. Not mm-hmm. because Earl gives her the money, but I was most disturbed because grandma said, Hey, your dad really, really doesn't want you to have this coat for $500? Well, in that case, I'm going to stick it to Earl, and I will give you that $500. I was saving it for your college, and she looks at her granddaughter and says, yeah, this money was supposed to be for your college. But a voice in my head kept saying, the only way she's going to college is inside a cake at a frat house party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. That's just part of that dysfunction that I was talking about. Such a about grandmotherly earlier. thing to say. Yes, it sure was. Well, so when she gets the coat, the coat comes with a little talking devil it's on alive. your shoulder in the form of a fox. Did anyone recognize the voice of the fox? Well, it's like one of those fur coats where you see the head of the animal that was killed. Yeah, which is a in thing. In this case, it's a fox. But the fox's head is talking. It's now I alive. don't know who the voice was. It did remind me of Shere Khan from. The Jungle Book, oh. the original, but I, I, it wasn't nope, the same guy. Not the same guy, but he, went, he had a very, a, a very distinct voice. But a British, a pompous yes. British voice. British, yes. You're getting warmer. It's Prince Charles. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not Prince Charles. Tim Curry. Oh, Tim Curry was that Tim voice. That's Curry who it was, huh? Was the voice of the fox. Who dressed you, and why do they hate you so much? And did you guys notice the scene where Robbie, the teenage son, is taking a message for his sister (laughs) laying on the couch? And it's like, yeah, okay, he's just reading a book or something. And he's saying, yeah, I'm taking it down. Yeah, whoa, slow down, slow down. <laughs> he's not taking the message at all. He's not writing anything down. It reminded me that there's we have the lost art of taking messages now. Everyone's got their own phone. We don't do that anymore. And memorizing phone numbers? Yeah, doesn't happen. It was incredible how many phone numbers... That we had memorized yeah. so that you could call your friends. I don't remember a single one of them. You don't? No. I remember a couple. I remember a good five or six. Give them out right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> five, five, five. Four, nine, two, four. <laughs> Eight, two, one, five. <laughs> four, six, six, one. That's just five, six. <laughs> You're just reciting pi right now. 824-3.1482. I really hope these aren't real numbers. He's just having a Rain Man moment. <laughs> we will obviously bleep them out so no oh. one finds out his number. <laughs> it can't be the same number. How many phone numbers do you know right now, Dom? I can do seven phone numbers. Wow. Yeah. I can do one. I know my phone number. That's the only number you know? In the times that I have to give out Melissa's phone number, or I like to put it down, uh-huh. I usually have to look it up on my phone. That is not good. Why? Your phone can run out of battery. So what? Then you don't know the number. I know my number. <laughs> what if you're stuck like Michael Scott? You're Your like, own uh... number doesn't help you in cases of an emergency. Okay. Okay. If you I... are having a heart attack, you don't need your own number. I understand what that. What if he has bear with him? But what? never mind. <laughs> like Bear Grylls? Oh, no, Bear the the aspirin. New, bear. Oh, bear. 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 I said bear. bear. No, you, you said, said bear. bear. I said bear. It's recorded. Bear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't need to know any other phone numbers because I make sure that my phone is always charged. That's not. 
I'm fail not, safe in I'm an not, emergency. It I'm might not, not be charged. Going to be in an emergency where my phone isn't charged, that I can make an emergency if phone call. If you have a series of strokes, you will not remember to plug in your phone. If I'm having a series of strokes, I can't make a phone call. <laughs> you could. The brain no. can recover after a stroke. You just have to stop stroking, and then what? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to pause for one moment for station identification here on the TV yearbook. I'm getting sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) So why was this the worst? (laughs) Well, it wasn't funny, except for the Coke commercial. It was a little funny. That was the only part that was really funny. But it was just another thing that we have seen that there are common ingredients to all of these worst episodes and one of them being is it's an episode focused on a supporting character right we saw yeah. it with boy meets world the worst episode was focused on yes what's his name sean and ben's side older, friend or yeah whatever. candace cameron um, richard we saw it which is <laughs> it was the same issue with as much as i hate to say it babylon 5 in the worst episode it was revolving around the lieutenant commander and it revolved around the Weird. Head of security in the boxing match, right? The supporting characters are the focus. We tie. As much as you hate it, Greg, it's same issue with Star Trek. Yeah. Sub Rosa was focused on Dr. Crusher. Yeah. Which I still don't understand why that's the worst. Beverly. I freaking love that episode. It's such oh, a great me. show. Beverly. <laughs> I here's what I want. Because you two have not successfully defended why this is considered the worst episode. I want someone out there to email us at the TV gmail.com. Why is Sub Rosa oh. so bad? Why is it overwhelmingly considered one of the worst episodes? It has Ronan. It has <laughs> the two sexual icons of that show are the main focus of that episode. I would also argue that Will Riker was perhaps an even larger sexual icon from Star Trek The Next Generation. That's true. What? Will Riker, yeah. For he, you? No, not for me. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's the Captain Kirk sexual icon. But anyway. <laughs> it ain't <laughs> Data. <laughs> it ain't Jordy is attractive. Why not? Like in today's age with sex robots? I would think Data would be right up there. He's What's a sex robot? Over. He's real <laughs> I want powder everywhere. <laughs> so this is just a taste of what we talked about in season two of the TV yearbook. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Star Trek. I just want you someone do. to. <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about it now. I just want to make the case and I want okay. someone to let me know why is it considered the worst? Because I just don't get it. It's not good, it's, but it's not terrible. It's Gates McFadden's opinion as well. I don't know who that is. She plays Crusher. She plays Dr. Beverly Crusher. Well, I would love the chance to talk to her to change her mind. (laughs) I bet you would. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody else, why is this considered the worst episode? Well, for me, the ending was unfinished. So So she really hurts her friend's feelings by, you know, going with the Fox's recommendation to, like, cut off the friendship Mm -hmm. and pursue fashion. And then at the end, she's going to 
I, I feel like we're about to see an apology, and it just cuts off. She's dialing the phone number, mm. and that's it. We don't get to see the apology, the makeup, for, well, please forgive me. Isn't that, that in line with the last episode, that it's just, it is kind of unfinished, that there is something there? Like, we didn't watch any future episodes, but maybe they left it that way that, yeah, you don't know, because yeah. you might call and apologize to your friend, and they just like, yeah, screw you. I don't ever want to talk to you again, and there's no resolution there. That would be the way to be consistent. And the friend says, "Actually, no. You're I'm, you're not worth my time because you pieced me out. So goodbye. Maybe that's what happened. But we but that we didn't get that satisfaction. In, in this I'm episode. giving it to you right now. No, you're not. <laughs> uh, no one is satisfied <laughs> at all. <laughs> right here uh, in Greg's basement. <laughs> let it be known that Dom has henceforth been satisfied. No, unsatisfied. <laughs> We've been canceled." Look, on an already unfunny show, this just soared to new levels of not funny. I know, James, you liked the one... The commercial. The one commercial, but beyond that, it wasn't funny. If the overall message is, oh, you should be nice to your friends and and stop focusing on getting Adidas jackets or starter jackets or Reebok pumps, if that was the message, fine. I think, though... I don't know this, but just the Tim <laughs> just the Tim Curry edition should elevate this from the bottom possible episode because as much as I, I I don't disagree, okay, it wasn't as funny as it could have been as other episodes might be. For me, there were three funny moments: the baby in the beginning, already discussed, right? Mm-hmm. The commercial, hilarious. Just that part alone elevates it. And then the uh, the message: I'm not taking a message. wasn't It wasn't as funny. I laughed. But uh, also, that would be totally a teenage boy thing to do. So totally, totally, that was right on point. But Tim Curry's, you know, if they could have worked in a little more humor, his voice is just amazing. It's hilarious that there's a talking fox head. I mean, I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, <laughs> I, I would challenge our viewers, listeners, to come up with a worse episode than this and let us know. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Watch dinosaurs, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So as we transition beyond just the worst episode, moving into just the show as a whole, what kind of thoughts do you all have about that? I wonder if this show was ahead of its time. Whoa. But it's uh, 6 million BC. But I don't... Oh, yeah, good one. But I don't necessarily mean that in... Uh, a good way. I feel like nor- most time when people say something like that, they are. It's a compliment. Yeah, this is not. I don't know. I don't know what I think of this show because I think the things working for it compared to other shows was that the the messages that this show tackled, it did so in a way that was much more direct than I think other shows. I I went through it, a list of some of the things that that they covered on episodes. <clears throat> so they talked about environmentalism. Mm-hmm. They talked about women's rights, sexual harassment, censorship, drug use, mm-hmm. racism mm-hmm. in an episode where they uh, there was a dispute between two-legged dinosaurs and four-legged dinosaurs. Whoa. Yeah. Rights of indigenous people, uh, where there was an episode of dinosaurs interacting with humans, cave people on the outskirts of town, uh, and masturbation. There was an episode about Robbie doing a solo mating dance. Come again. (laughs) (laughs) Boo. (laughs) Boo. 
would I would say this. I also think that this show could be made and played exactly the way that it is today. Because yeah. there was nothing like this show on television at the time, and there is nothing like this show on right now. It's hard to disagree with that. I mean, I, I would say it's a contemporary of The Simpsons, and they're similar in that they, it's using a childlike structure to tell adult, to challenge adults. Well, something else that this show didn't do that I thought was uh, very noticeable within the first 30 seconds of the show is there's no laugh track. I love that. And that was something I don't think mm. really any sitcom at the time did without. There was no laugh track on Hill Street Blues. Okay, that's not the same genre. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Where's the MacGyver laugh track, people? <laughs> MacGyver! Falls off the cliff. Oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> James, you make a really, really interesting point. And that's the same thing that Star Trek can do because it's in the future. You can tackle things because it's not Metaphor. a contemporary. Yeah. But yeah, even with Star Trek, when you watch it, it looks very dated. Even when it comes to the special effects. This is a show that I don't think, other than the film quality of it that you can just that it's not hd it's not high resolution this show doesn't look cheap it doesn't look you know like something from the 90s it looks like yeah this is totally weird and unique and there's nothing like this out there i think it's a testament to the jim henson corporation and legacy you know you have labyrinth you have Star Wars puppeteering, Dark Crystal, Dark Crystal, Sesame uh, Street, Fraggle Rock. I mean, all of these things. It's yeah, this is the, man, this is the next Rock. iteration, right? It's like again, it's like we watched Fraggle Rock when we were very young, and then this is the next level. And to me, that's why I enjoy this show. I know you to I'm sensing that there may be some discord here on uh, how much you enjoyed it, but I, I to me. For everything that you just said, like this is a watchable show, and it's also we made a reference to the Ninja Turtles, the yeah. 1990 Ninja Turtles movie. Jim Henson worked on that with all the animatronics for the turtles, and the advances that his company made doing that movie is what made right. this show possible. Yeah, it and they were able they were able to do things mechanically that no other company in the world could do at the time. And if you think about it, it's one of the things that people hated about Star Wars episodes one, two, and three, is that they used a lot more CGI and not as many of the puppets. Well, they, had, they had the technology yeah. for it, so. But I missed the puppets. I missed Jabba. Well, they they kind of came around because came of Baby Sinclair. We have Baby Yoda. That now, yeah, yeah but the, but they missed it. Like that's well, that that's was a miss. Yes, true. But you're right. I mean, they came back to it, and I think. Yeah, the Mandalorian learned that lesson. There's some nostalgia, and it's interesting. It's funny. And Tremors? Also Tremors. Used animatronic monsters? They sure did. They did. It was awesome. And then they started went to CGI, and it was still great, but a little crappy. That's why there was a drop-off. The CGI. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that why. explains it. That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that it was the CGI of Tremors 5 that made it not work. Right. Well, I think it's time that I need to come clear. I did not like this show. I was dreading this show. I gave it a chance, but I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I, I, 
I really didn't laugh except for that part with the commercial. And really, I only laughed when we watched it together. Watching you, Dom, laugh. That you was didn't I mean, watch. <laughs> you didn't laugh at hand up me. Howard, hand up me. I, did not make you I did not. crack a smile. I snickered. Oh. I was, I, it went like it was like this. Huh. Oh god, that's that's what it did. Did you see me laugh? Hearts of stone. No, but watching you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was, was actually the best part. Was uh, more enjoyable. You guys. If you would have been, <laughs> if I would have been by myself <laughs> and you weren't around, there would have not been a chuckle at all. <laughs> but that's only because it's a terrible show. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not. I mean, it's, okay. It's, yeah, I will agree. It's not a terrible show. I mean, you just spent you just spent five minutes defending why it is a good show. Uh, you don't. Did I, mean, I say why well, it's a okay. good show? I think I was just defending why it could be ahead made of its today. time. Yeah, why it's ahead of its Which time. Which is usually a compliment. You just don't want it to be. Yeah, usually, not all the it's time. It's a compliment, not all the time. Okay, <sighs> felt a little complimentary to it be did. blunt. Well, I, despite the fact you said this isn't a compliment, <laughs> the show was ahead of its time <laughs> and it was doing stuff that nobody else is You're doing confused. at all, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's doing it. It does it in a unique way, and it can still happen today. It stands the test of time, but it's terrible. (laughs) Okay, Rotten Tomatoes disagrees with you. Okay, 96% like it. Four votes. (laughs) Is that true? Mathematically impossible. (laughs) I'm not a calculus teacher. 20 votes. (laughs) I mean, look, I'm not going to argue that there is not a following out there. because. All I would ass- I assume all of the shows that were on TGIF Disney owns the rights to, yes. right? I right. Assume, yeah. But this is the only TGIF show that's on Disney Plus. All the others are oh, on Hulu. Why is that? I don't know. I mean, we'll it could be a, a it could dive. be a rights issue that they just you know signed a contract way back when, and Hulu still has the rights to these. Could shows. be Jim Henson. Um, but you know, just the fact that Disney has. Put this on very recently under Disney Plus, and I sit and I wonder what would have made this show better. I have an idea. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. I think they made Earl too dumb. So he's a contemporary with Homer Simpson. He's kind of the Archie Bunker type dad. He's not a Cosby dad who's very bright and a loving dad. He's totally dumb. John Goodman is is uh, contemporary, but John Goodman is smart. And Roseanne. In Roseanne. He's also very loving. He's also very loving. but And, and hilar- he's hilarious. Oh, John Goodman's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I think they missed an opportunity there for, for some wittiness. Al Bundy is another, ex- <laughs> he's a contemporary here, but sure. so, but Al Bundy, it's not really a loving dad. He's probably the closest dad, I guess, to, to, to what Earl. Earl is. Yeah. And I think they missed an opportunity there with a relationship uh, because he's more of the Al Bundy, Peter Griffin. There's really nothing. It's just only slapstick. But they're also trying to make us think with the satire. So to me, I think that's a miss. I wonder the if there are moments for Earl because I remember in reading some things about this show, about the series finale, there, there were some, I think Earl was given some moments to you know, for lack of a better term, be humanized and be more than just this dumb brute. Mm. In the end. So in the in the very end of the show. So I wonder this is only season two that we watch this episode. So I wonder if later in the season they learn that lesson. So we're gonna see some evolution. 
Oh, how long have you been waiting to say that? <laughs> Actually, just five seconds. You just you made me think of it right there. I had not I had not written that well, down. I want to go back to why this show. I know I defended it, saying it's ahead of its time, and I I still stand by those. But ultimately, with the show, and I don't know where I stand, is I just after watching it, I just felt tired. I really think this show was like sliders in the sense that. The premise of those episodes was what made it compelling and what made me want to watch it. Whereas this show, the way that this show addresses issues kind of makes it intriguing. Not enough that I'm going to go watch more episodes, um, but it is something in its favor that I do think younger, a middle school age, like sixth grade age child this would be a good show for them. I I stay I love I like the show. I enjoyed both episodes and I would say that uh the for me the demonstration of mastery of puppeteering mm-hmm. uh I think is uh incredible. I agree with James even though you're not complimenting it. Uh it was a compliment <laughs> that the the puppeteering was incredible and and for TV your ability to connect to characters and be entertained by characters to me like I would keep going with it. Um uh, but I, again, I think the best episode, and I think other episodes, make fun of and challenge the use of and abuse of television watching, which I think is an important message that I think all three of us have tried to engage our kids differently than we were engaged at the same ages, mm-hmm. because we are trying to not just learn, but enact what we learn <laughs> and behave differently. <laughs> And thus, we started a podcast talking about television, television. shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just about television, though, is it? We didn't learn our lesson, did we? <laughs> sure didn't. We're learning lots of l- valuable life lessons. <laughs> so you would watch more of this show? All in moderation. Television, dinosaurs, Alcohol. puppets. Alcohol. Yeah. Alcohol. <laughs> Library. <laughs> no. Yeah, James, what you said about fatigue, I was just bored. I made some predictions in my head on what would happen. Got him right. Like, I knew Heather Worthington was going to walk away with that coat. Heather Worthington, by the way, is voiced by... You know, you might be better off with the vertical stripes. At least until you get your weight down. (laughs) None other than... I want to hear you say it. Julia (laughs) Louis-Dreyfus. Hey, you got it right this time. Elaine from (laughs) Seinfeld. (laughs) I did not notice that in the moment. I didn't. We have, like, Tim Curry and uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. How could this be the worst episode? Uh, because it wasn't good. And you just said for both of those instances, yeah, I didn't recognize it at all. <laughs> That's it. True. That's why. Yeah. That's why. So I would not watch more of this show, uh, despite the fact that there are some va- very famous vocal actors. Who is the mom? Who's Fran? You don't know? Oh, I, oh, I know. I... The mom from Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah. Jessica, Jessica Walters. Jessica Walters. Yes. Who is one of the great, oh, great man. actresses of comedy. Yeah. She uh, kind of plays the, the straight, everyone else is goofing off, and she's the only one that's not. I'm waiting for her to go buy a fur coat, to be honest, mm. because that would be right up with... Uh, Consistent with her gam-gam. Gam-gam. Gam-gam-gam-gees. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't leave out the voice of the dad. The actor's name is Stuart Pankin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you look him up? Did I looked you... him up, but because it's tons a name, of stuff. it's a name I didn't recognize. But then when I see him, I immediately, yeah, I know who this guy is. Who He's is my first memory of him <laughs> is there's a movie in the '80s called The Dirt Bike Kid, nope, starring Peter Billingsley, nope, little no. Ralphie from Christmas Story. Okay. Oh, 
Um, and he has a dirt bike that comes to life, and he, like, saves this hot dog stand that's going to be taken over by the bank. <clears throat> and <laughs> Stuart Pickett is the evil banker. Oh. Yeah. Somehow, Peter Billingsley <laughs> enters into a dirt bike race and saves you know, the hot dog stand. Now, did you know they, they he was not their first choice? For Earl's character. Do you know who was? I do know who was. I don't. Jim Belushi yeah. was offered the role. He turned it down because he wanted to do movies. But then, later in his career... According to Jim. Same character, pretty much. Pretty much. But you can see him. But I, <laughs> But uh, should we start talking about our awards? Yeah. I think so. For those of you who are new to the TV Yearbook Podcast, we give out awards at the end of each episode, and our flagship superlative award is the Extra Mile, because it is a hard job acting in Hollywood, and many pay their dues by being an extra. And when you're an extra, and you're on screen for five seconds, you need to make your mark. So this award goes to the actor that went above and beyond, or went the extra mile, to stand out in some way. Mm. So... Who has an extra mile for this show? All right, so I have the extra mile award for today. It is from the best episode. Now, granted, I've only watched these two episodes, so I do not know if this is a recurring character, but I did know in this particular scene, he had one scene. It was less than two minutes long. Hands up me. And it is not hands up me. It is uh, Earl's friend from the bar. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's in the best episode when Earl... Um, excuse me, it's the best episode when the TV is destroyed, Earl goes to the bar so he can watch some television. And when he's there, he meets his buddy. I did not catch the buddy's name. So first off, uh, when Earl is there drinking a beer, did you notice that he was drinking from a straw? No, I, I did, did not, not notice, notice that. that. No. Yes, he had a beer. That's atypical. And yeah. he was drinking it with a straw. Okay. Which, is, which was curious. He's but, trying to get more inebriated. But I have heard that if you drink alcohol through a straw, anything through a straw, really, yeah, get you more. I drink pineapple. You drink juice. more of it when you have a straw, so with alcohol, oh. you'll get more. <laughs> what if it's a milkshake? <laughs> yeah. it's Drunk. A, if it's a Long Island milkshake, yes. <laughs> anyway, so Earl is in the bar drinking from a straw, and then his buddy comes in and starts tol- telling him about all the TV shows he's missed. But what I really liked about uh, the extra character here is the things that he says. Because when he's talking about the other shows, Earl's like, what have, what have I been missing? Oh, you missed this show. There's a bully at school, and they all learn a valuable lesson uh, <laughs> that they can apply to their lives. And then there's like, oh my gosh, uh, while the parents go out in this other show, in this other show, when the parents go out for the weekend, the teenage son, Billy, throws a party, and they all learn a valuable lesson. Mm -hmm. And then he says what is my favorite line Mm -hmm. of any episode of Dinosaurs that we watched, and it is talking about whoever's writing these shows. He's like, these guys are breaking new ground every week. (laughs) (laughs) And just that line line alone just made the day for me because describing, again, these are the writers who wrote this into the TV show and they're criticizing themselves. And then this bar buddy, this bar fly who's there with Earl, just says a very poignant thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's like one of his only moments in the show. Again, if he appears in other shows, I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I give him my extra mile award for being incredibly thoughtful, uh, either subtly, unintentionally. Who knows what he was doing, but it was a really good line. Good word. Mm. 
I'm going to give, I have a, a, two awards. The first is the Most Creative Pronunciation Award, and that goes to Greg for his pronunciation of the word poignant by saying, <laughs> by pronouncing it, the full G, poignant. The hard, the hard G? Poignant. Whiskey. Lasagna. Poignant. <laughs> Look, folks love the way I say my words. <laughs> Thank you for that award. It's my first one on the show. My second award is for the most ambiguous character, and that goes to the entire Nielsen family in the in the best episode, their the family feud face off family. And did you what what kind of animal is what were that? Were they? I have no idea. They had to, mammals of it's some kind. Mammalian is all we can know for sure. Because they had fur. There is fur. Probably and, nipples. Yep. Yeah, someone was milking. <laughs> They're weird. They were, they were bespectacled. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what it was. It was just a... But most ambiguous character, the Nielsens. Very nice. I like that. <laughs> so uh, my next award goes to Donna Worthington, the, the really snotty, snobby person played by uh, Miss Dreyfus herself. Miss Louis Dreyfus herself. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and the award that I'm going to give her, <laughs> Dom, Ju- you Julia, can laugh into the microphone. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why I'm laughing doesn't make sense because it was off the air. It does not. <laughs> and uh, I give getting a stroke over there. Go ahead. Sorry. I, no, it's all right. Pause. It's not a series uh, of strokes. Most likely. <laughs> It is most likely to experience their early 20s in a similar way to child stars. And that is Donna Worthington, because when I think about child TV stars and what happens when they turn 20, oh my gosh, things go downhill so much. What kind of things are we going to see, guys? It gets dark. It's going to get real dark. It's going to be lots of drugs. A lot Uh of drugs. It's going to be lots of scandals. Lots of police are involved. Yeah. And that's the future that I see for Donna Worthington. Paparazzi. And I realized I'm going to cut this award because James's look. Who <laughs> is Donna Worthington? She's the character that was voiced by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Heather w- Worthington. Oh, Heather. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Heather. You have to just re- just cut it. <laughs> Heather Worthington. <laughs> We'll see if we keep that. But while we're here, I want to do a quick award for Dom because Dom gave me an award. I'm giving Dom an award for last week's episode of Family Matters. Excuse me, last month's episode of Family Matters. Uh, Best Urkel voice because as I was listening to your Urkel voice, it was on point. Was it? It was really good. I don't even remember doing it. It was tops. Okay. Thank you very much. I accept the award. I'd like to thank everyone. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, I have an award. Great. Um, mine is the, I call it the favorite drug company award. So pick whatever your favorite drug company is. Bear. Define drug. <laughs> Big Johnson Bear. Johnson. Whatever you want. <laughs> no fear drug company. So any of the companies Bayer. that make hydrocortisone, uh, Caladryl, Gold Bond, Monistat 7, any of those. Because the money... That this show made for those companies by the amount of skin rashes caused by all of these puppeteers oh. putting their sweaty hands oh. in these dark, 
hot crevices. places. Crevasse. Uh, I'm surprised the show got canceled. I'm surprised these companies didn't just come right in Fund and be it. like, here, you are funding us, so we're going to fund you. Brought to you by Johnson & Johnson & Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> just yeast everywhere. <laughs> Oh, okay. Gross. Yes, that's my that's my word. Well, uh, that is that's a great award, James. <laughs> so that should bring us to the end of our episode. Next time, uh, we will continue talking about TGIF, and we are going to be talking about I don't know Perfect Strangers. Oh, okay. Balky and Larry. Balky, uh, Larry. Balky and Balky. Anyway, we would like to remind you to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at, at the TV Yearbook. You can email us also at the TV Yearbook at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And you can find us on Patreon. So please reach out and let us know what you think of the show. And also, we would love it if you would rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast. We do pay attention to those reviews, and we would love to hear from you. And Greg, tell us about Barntown... Beer. Beer. Root beer. Is it a root beer? I don't remember. It is a root beer. <clears throat> There's a big <laughs> on top of that barn. It's a rooster. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. <clears throat> Are you ready? I, I am. Yeah. To us, root beer is a reminder of a more simpler time. A throwback. Old-fashioned, if you will. A time when all we needed was a good drive-in movie, a cheeseburger, the roar of a muscle car's engine, and friends to pal around with. Barntown, old-fashioned root beer, proudly made in Iowa. Wow. So this they, is... They didn't say anything about their ingredients. It's got beet sugar. <laughs> oh, well. Well, they ain't, they ain't millennials then. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> uh, so tell us about the natural flavors. Mm, I finished this handcrafted uh, old-fashioned Barntown root beer. Yeah. And I gotta say, um, <laughs> the first thing, when I first took a sip, it actually was not impressive. No, oh. the first sip was just a little bit plain, off. plain Jane. It really was. Okay, uh, because you think of your standard root beers, you think of your Barks. Yeah, it's you got think bite. A and W. Yeah, I've never felt that Barks really does have bite though. That's what the ads say. Yeah, that's what the ads said fifteen years ago. You can ago. tell if you have five root beers, you know which one Barks is though. Do you it know? Has bite. It has a it had it does have a snap. There's a, there's a tang. It has a snap. Yeah. Does not taste like tang or Ovaltine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh so the first sip was actually kind of average. Okay. But let me tell you about this beverage, guys. All right. As we continued on throughout this podcast, this got better and better and better. Wow. This aged well. I don't know if it's the oxygen in the room. I don't know if it's the basement. You're suggesting this has tannins <laughs> in it like a fine wine. You I don't just want <laughs> to let this soda breathe for a little bit. And that's exactly that could, what I'm suggesting. That's exactly. <laughs> I don't know the word tannins. <laughs> I believe it's equivalent to midichlorians. There's a <laughs> so uh, kudos, Barntown Root Beer. Where did you get Barntown? Where can people buy this? You soda? heard it, Iowa. Uh, you can get it online. Oh, there you go. Or go to any barn. And now, brought to you by our sponsor, the internet. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Just figure it out yourself. (laughs) You have have a keyboard. (laughs) You're fine. (laughs) So, kudos to Barntown Brewery, because they produced an excellent, excellent root beer that got better as it aged. So, uh, I really want more now, which is not that common in my soda reviews. 
Normally no, I'm done, but this one I could definitely go for some more. Yeah. All right. Okay. I guess that's the end. Yeah. Why don't you chew us out, Greg? <laughs> can you hear it? Yes. Can you hear it in the headphones? Yes, yes. of course. You can't chew you ice can hear during a podcast. My ice chewing? You can't chew ice during a podcast. <laughs> what if I'm over here? <laughs>